Three texts today on this, the start of Lent that give us a sense of the day. First, from Deuteronomy 6. Now, this is the commandment, the statutes, and the ordinances that the Lord your God charged me to teach you to observe in the land that you are about to cross into and occupy, so that you and your children and your children's children may fear the Lord your God all the days of your life and keep all his decrees and his commandments that I am commanding you so that your days may be long. Hear therefore, O Israel, and observe them diligently so that it may go well with you and so that you may multiply greatly in the land flowing with milk and honey as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, has promised you. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. Keep these words that I am commanding you today in your heart. Recite them to your children and talk about them when you are at home and when you are away and when you lie down and when you rise up. Bind them as a sign on your hand. Fix them as an emblem on your forehead. And write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. And when the Lord your God has brought you into the land that he swore to your ancestors, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give you a land with fine, large cities that you did not build, Houses filled with all sorts of goods that you did not fill. Hewn cisterns that you did not hew. Vineyards and olive groves that you did not plant. And when you have eaten your fill. Oh, that ended. Before we got the end of it. (laughs) Okay. 
Romans 8, Romans 10 is what I'm preaching on today. I'm preaching the Romans text today. Um, this is the heart of the, some call it the gospel of Romans, the heart of Paul's teaching here in the 10th chapter of Romans, starting at the 8th verse. And I may read on just a little bit farther. Paul speaks and says, But what does it say? The word is near you on your lips and in your heart. That is the word of faith that we proclaim. Because if you confess with your lips that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For one believes in the heart and so is justified and one confesses with the mouth and so is saved. The scripture says no one who believes in him will be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. The same Lord is Lord of all and is generous to all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Does yours go on? No. Okay. And then we go to Luke, the fourth chapter of Luke. This is the story of Jesus' temptation in the wilderness. And note that Jesus is full of the Holy Spirit. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing at all during those days, and when, there, and when they were over, he was famished. Well, the devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become a loaf of bread. Jesus answered him, It is written, One does not live by bread alone. Then the devil led him up and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And the devil said to him, To you I will give the glory and all this authority, for it has been given over to me, and I give it to anyone I please. If you then worship me, it will all be yours. Jesus answered him, It is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil took him to Jerusalem and placed him on the pinnacle of the temple, saying to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you to protect you. And on their hands they will bear you up, so that you will not dash your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, It is said, Do not put the Lord your God... To the test. When the devil had finished every test, he departed from him until an opportune time. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. What must I do? To be saved. The question is as old as the hills, literally. 
and emerges in the very beginnings of Jesus' teaching when the rich young ruler comes to him and says, Lord, what must I do to have eternal life? What must I do to be saved? Paul is struggling with this question mightily in this section of his book in Romans, writing to the church in Rome. He knows that there are faithful Christians there. He's never been there himself, though. And he also knows that their fight internally is who's in and who's out. The Romans who have become Christians were once good Jews. But there are Gentiles, non-Jews, who think they might want to be Christians too. What must they do to be saved? Must they first become Jews and then join the church? Or does... Jesus' action, invite them in. This, this was no little fight, by the way. This was not a fight like we have in our church today where we, you know, are trying to decide if we're going to have white roses or red roses and people are ready to, you know, throw down over it. This was a serious knockdown drag out. This had implications for what the church was going to look like for the next Till now, 2,000 years. What must one do to be saved? Well, here comes Paul's answer. And remember, earlier in Paul's letter to the Romans, he has said, All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We can't really talk about being saved without, being talked, without talking about being saved from something. I've met these people, you know, who say, why do you follow Jesus? Follow Jesus because I love Jesus? Because I need to be saved? What do you need to be saved from? My sin? Oh, well, that's it. I don't believe in sin, they say to me. And I find this line of logic fascinating. How is it that one can, can live in this world we live in today and not believe in sin? Now, I, I, I want to challenge, I challenged you to do this a while back. I want to challenge you again. Go spend half an hour this week. I don't care what medium you watch. Fox News is your thing. If MSNBC is your thing, you watch the big three networks, you watch CNN. I don't care. Spend one half hour watching the news and come back to me next week and try to convince me that there is no sin in our world. Right? Here's the other thing. And that is corporate sin. Now remember, when we confess our sins here, here in worship, the, 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 the prayer we say together is confessing our corporate sin. When we have that silent time of confession, that's when we're supposed to confess our individual sins. 
And you could maybe say to me, well, okay, I believe in corporate sin, but, you know, individual sin, forget that. Have any of you ever been married? How long do you live in a relationship that close before you realize not only does your partner sin, (laughs) but you do too? Right? I mean, am I right, Michelle? How many times can Tommy leave his dirty underwear on the floor before you go, that guy is a sinner? (laughs) How many times does she not clean up the kitchen, Tommy, where you say, Michelle, I know, it's not just picking on you. (laughs) You get the point, though. I mean, when we're in close relationship with people, you realize pretty quickly, I'm really not as good a person as I think I am. We all sin. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That's a really significant thing that Paul has said in chapter 3 of Romans. Why is that significant? Because now we've gotten to chapter 9 through 11, and he's saying, (laughs) all will be saved. All will be saved. And now you're thinking, okay, so you're saying really that sin isn't important because if all, if all will be saved, then, you know, uh, you're not really preaching about sin, Pastor. And, you know, that's what's wrong with our world is that the church has gotten away from preaching about what's really important. And we, we really, you know, need to be bringing the world back to understand it's sin. And, but you know what? Shut up. Nobody said that. Paul said all have sinned. We've all done that. But here's the other thing that Paul says. All can be saved. All can be saved. Do you know why? Because the Jews and the Gentiles were fighting about who was in and who was out. And he says, we're all in. We're all in. But he puts a condition on it. And this is where we have to pay attention. If you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is raised from the dead, you all will be saved. Right? It's not just, oh, live a good life and God will save you. Oh, Be nice to your spouse, even if he leaves his underwear on the floor, and God will save you. Oh, understand that Jesus Jesus was a great human being who taught us well. God will save you. No, confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord... And believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. To be raised from the dead, Jesus had to be Lord of all. And to be Lord of all means putting Jesus first in our lives. Acknowledging his sacrifice for us. Accepting the graciousness and mercy of God. 
and realizing just that all of us have sinned, all of us too can find salvation in our God through the grace and glory of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Praise be to God. Amen.